Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories. I'm the host, Jem Daduchu, and I am going to take you on a journey today. What is the topic, I hear you ask? What, what is, is the, the topic, Jem? Well, recently I've done some more obvious ones, but this one's kind of a cross between the fantastical and something that is about real history. I am talking to you today about Jojo Rabbit. Now, if you don't know what Jojo Rabbit is, Jojo is a young boy who hangs out with his friends, but he's being teased because he's not quite as sort of strong or athletic as the other kids around him. So he's got an imaginary friend to make him feel better. So far, so normal. It's a kind of coming of age story. Except we're in Germany during the Third Reich, and his imaginary friend is one Adolf Hitler. Are you serious? Now, when this was first mooted as an idea, and both co-written and directed, and partly starring Taika Waititi, there was a lot of concern about bad taste, because it's fairly obvious to see that as soon as you start looking at comedies to do with the Third Reich, it can be really bad taste. But also it can be incredibly powerful. There was the Italian movie from the 1990s called Life is Beautiful. It was, I believe, the first winner of a Best Picture Oscar to not be in English. And Alberto Benini was the star and he won Best Actor. Again, he could not speak English. So that particular one was the story of basically a Jewish family in Italy and basically, well, for the first part of it's a love story where the man falls in love with the woman and they end up having a kid and then war breaks out okay and then obviously when people are rounded up they kept the men and women separate so it's largely the story of how the father and son are in a concentration camp but to protect the child from the utter horrors of the holocaust and final solution basically he turns it into a game for the boy and so it's one of these films where the the comedy is there to stop it overwhelming you. It's a bit like, a, again, another great movie about the Holocaust, Schindler's List. And what Spielberg said, and I, I always thought this was so powerful, he goes, no movie, 
No, no piece of art, no story can portray the entirety, the overwhelming enormity of the Holocaust. So he goes, so what I do is I've got the Holocaust on one side of this fence and I've drilled a hole and we're peeking through that hole. We can only see what we can see through that eye hole. And that's a very good way of, of describing it because to really truly understand the horrors of the Holocaust, you're going to have to study it for years. And there's the whole Shoah Foundation, which Spielberg founded after Schindler's List to basically gather as many sort of eyewitness living testimonials to what happened during the Holocaust in Europe. So there's all that going on in the background. And actually, Jojo Rabbit is based on a book which doesn't have the sort of like funny, fantastical Hitler elements or things like that. And also it takes you through Jojo over about a 10 year period. So having a kid really into the Hitler youth, you can kind of understand how this young mind's being distorted. But if you're going from a 10 year old into a guy into his 20s, at some point he, he has to have, be accountable for his own actions. And so that, that particular book is a very different beast to what Jojo Rabbit is. Indeed, I wrote a little around this with my book called Silent Crossroads. So if you are if you don't know what it is, if you haven't been following me, it was my first historical novel where I came up with a slightly flippant idea on Facebook. My Facebook page is History Gems with a G. And years ago, I used to sort of, for, for most loyal people who would follow the page, I would invent some history around them as a sort of a thank you for their support. I stopped doing that, I don't know, five, six years ago because it was hard work, basically. And also, there were some people who didn't get the joke and started getting very angry at these people. It's like, dude, this is all just made up. But there was one particular one where I did this gag about how he's the only person to afford him both world wars for both sides. And somebody actually made a comment underneath going, that would be a really good novel. And, and that's just sort of stuck in my head for years. And it just slowly fermented. That, that's generally how a lot of my historical fiction work works. It just sort of sits in the back of my head, sort of slowly bubbling away and growing into into ultimately a story. So having to work out why on earth would anybody switch sides in a world war? It's easier to switch him back to the Allies than it is to switch him to a Nazi, as it were. But in essence, what the story turned into was it's the story of Harry Woods. He's a very young soldier in the British Army in World War One. He gets captured by the Germans. And he falls in love with a German girl. Pretty good reason to start seeing that the enemy isn't as bad as you, you as you think they are. And sort of cutting a long story short, this this book is pretty epic. It's over a hundred thousand, over one hundred and twenty thousand words long. And it takes you from Harry in 1918, technically there's a flashback to 1914, all the way up to 1945. So you're basically seeing a teenage boy turn into a man and later on husband and father. And so in the interwar years, Harry settles down with this German woman, you know, they get married and they have a kid. Now, I don't want to go too much into it, but of course, this, this girl, who is a beautiful, charming, intelligent, lovely little girl, obviously she's growing up as you get the rise of the Nazis. And so she starts, and, and this is what the Nazis did. They, they took over the, the whole education system. As the Jesuits say, give me the child for their first 10 years and I'll show you the man. And that's that's the thing. You know, children are highly susceptible. They believe what adults tell them. This is why we have to be so careful with with children and why we have to sort of like give them two sides to the story. It's also why it's quite useful to use World War II, because it's pretty obvious who the bad guys are in that situation. But anyway, 
The point is that Harry and his wife look on in horror as this girl gets twisted by this corrupt regime. So that while on one side, this is the story of Harry going through multiple wars, multiple conflicts, you know, not really wanting. He spends more time in the book being a cobbler than he does being a soldier, but he is quite the soldier. So yes, on the one hand, it's sort of like a war story, but the last third of the book is about Harry just trying to get back to his family. And, and really it evolves into partly a family drama, but also this struggle between the mother who thinks her her husband's dead in, in battle, and the daughter. And she is doing everything possible, the mother is doing everything possible to make this girl realise that this whole ideology is sick and twisted. But that's a very hard thing to do when your teachers are telling you you're right, the leader of the country is telling you it's right, and so everybody around you is telling you right. And it is also worth pointing out that for a large chunk of World War II, Germany was winning, so it looked like that Hitler almost had a point. Uh, please, he, he absolutely did not, I'm, I'm just saying. Hello everyone, it's Greg here. I'm usually hiding way behind the scenes these days, but I had to pop up on the podcast quickly at this point in time because when I first read Jim's Silent Crossroads book, the way in which he describes a move towards the Nazi Germany and the incoming of Nazi Germany and the drip, drip, drip effect of the Nazi ideology coming in really for me is the best fictionalised account I've ever read that really shows that way that the Nazi ideology seeps in and gives you an idea of just how many people across the country could be encouraged to go along with these ideas in a very slow and steady way and in a way which seems impossible looking back at first glance. Back to Jim. So with all that in mind, it's kind of like a fight for the soul of this, this girl. And that's sort of what Jojo Rabbit is, because Jojo is in the Hitler Youth and he believes all the lies he's being told. Some of it's done with great comical effect. Kids, it's time to burn some books! Yeah! Taika Waititi is a, a master comedian. If you haven't seen What We Do in the Shadows, I think that's what it's called. It's a, a sort of a comedy vampire movie which got turned into a very good comedy vampire TV show. The basic gag being they're proper full-on vampires, but they live in modern day. Now, the, the movie Taika is, is from New Zealand. He's part Maori, part Jewish, and we'll come on to that again in a moment. So a lot of his early movies, like The World of People with Sam Neill and this wonderful little kid. Uh, anyway, the, the point is, I've seen a lot of his films. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember half the names of them. I'm getting mangling the names. But he's done a lot of kind of indie comedies, and they're really sharp and satirical. They also got a wonderful warm heart to them. That's really important. He's not a sort of savagely cynical individual. Uh, he isn't doing scathing satire. There's clearly a warm glow to the man. And therefore, it was kind of surprising, but also kind of perfect that they made him the director of the third Thor movie. Now, when you consider the first Thor movie was directed by Sir Kenneth Branagh. To be or not to be. The great Shakespearean. And you could see what they were trying to go for in the first Thor movie, particularly when they're in Asgard, because it's all kind of Shakespearean and, and Thor and the family themselves all speak in sort of like cod Shakespearean tones, and that all works. You have betrayed the express command of your king. Through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war. 
but by number three, you know, it did okay. The Thor movies, one and two in particular, are considered some of the weakest Marvel movies. But then number three, Taika Waititi came in and he threw out a lot of, of that stuff. And he just turned it into, in, in essence, a buddy comedy. And it's, I'm going to say, probably the funniest Marvel movie. And it really just, it was just an injection of dynamite into the system. It was just a, it was just a huge nitroglycerin rush. And it just really, really worked. And so after that kind of Taika Waititi could do no wrong, and he's sort of now associated with a whole bunch of, you know, very large projects. But one of the things he really wanted to do was this Jojo Rabbit movie. And after the success of Thor, how could they say no? And it's got, so Taika Waititi is briefly in Thor Ragnarok. He plays Korg. Korg's like a rock monster who's always trying to start a revolution. He's very polite. That's my attempt at my Kiwi accent. Apologies there. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Korg. I'm kind of like the leader in here. Over here. Pile of rocks waving at you. And Scarlett Johansson, she's obviously Black Widow, but she plays the mother of Jojo. And what becomes apparent in this movie is that the mother is not a Nazi and she's kind of appalled at her son. So you can see there's certain parallels to Silent Crossroads here. But the thing is, though, that she's gone the extra step. She's hiding a Jewish girl in her attic, basically. And she's kept that a secret from Jojo because she's just terrified that Jojo is going to sort of tell on her and then, you know, everybody's going to die. And that was the fear in Germany at that time. As the saying goes, all it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. And that's one of these things where it's easier said than done. If you know that by breaking this law, your your entire family, you and your entire family are going to be killed, executed, it's, it's a very, very brave person to go, okay, let's do that thing. Even though it's the right thing to do, the punishment for doing the right thing is so severe, that's sometimes how evil su survives, pervades. And so what happens in, in the movie is that Jojo does indeed discover the, the girl. The girl points out the reality. You tell everybody, then we're all going to be executed. And I don't want to tell you too much about how it all evolves, but Taika Waititi is the director, he is the co-writer, and he plays Adolf Hitler. Yes, that part Maori, part Jewish man decides to play Adolf Hitler, which is, of course, a great way to put two fingers up at, you know, the Third Reich and, you know, Aryan supremacy and all that garbage, because it is garbage. And apparently, sort of Taika, when he was interviewed as to why he wanted to do this movie, he said that the whole phrase around the Holocaust was never forget. And he goes, it seems to me at the moment a lot of people are forgetting. And there's absolutely a dotted line between this and, you know, what's going on in the modern world. And it's, a, you know, it's a little bit like with Spike Lee as well, when he did Black Klansman, which was a genuine story in the 1970s. But he's far more overt about it because right at the end of it, he shows you things that are happening in America, basically at the time of filming. So it just shows you that, and this is where I'm going to do a brief sidestep, I don't understand neo-Nazis in America. Because if there's one thing America's proud of, it's beating the Nazis. And if your granddad was one of the ones that beat the Nazis, why are you being one? They were beaten, fair and square, unambiguously. If Hitler was such a great dude, why did he blow his brains out in a bunker? I just don't understand how you could... 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Possibly go there. You know, the Nazis lost. Why Why follow a dead, irrelevant, losing ideology? And the Americans will forgive almost anything, but the one thing they won't forgive is losing, and Hitler was a loser. You can quote me on that, OK? But Tyker sort of plays a very strange version of Hitler. And if you like, I've heard a number of people, the reviews of Jojo Rabbit are very, very mixed because it's, you know, part comedy, part tragedy, part sweet sort of coming of age story, part the horrors of the Third Reich. And, you know, playing Hitler for laughs could be a problem. And he isn't in it as much as you might think. There's perhaps sort of like in in, in sort of like hour and 40 minutes, there's probably... 10 minutes of Hitler. And he does get sort of wilder. He's he's never exactly sort of like warm and cuddly. And as it, things go on and, you know, the war goes goes worse for Germany, things start going, he becomes sort of more aggressive and angry. Now let's sort of have a look a little bit at the history, because while Jojo Rabbit is obviously highly fictionalised, highly surreal, fantastical and played for laughs, there are, I mean, there are some really sort of uh, tragic scenes in it, which are all too real. So one of the things that Taika Waititi said is when he was, he was doing some research, he said, I did no research in Hitler because, well, he said some very strong language about Hitler, and I get that. But also, I think the other part is we kind of know who Hitler is. But he was looking at things like 1930s and 40s fashion in Germany, and he goes, it wasn't all just brown, it was actually quite vivid. And so he wanted to show this place, in particular, his mother is introduced because Jojo's a little kid. It's kind of sweet. She's sometimes introduced, and 
there's a whole sort of running gag about how he can't tie his shoelaces, but she's introduced with her shoes, and they're these sort of like very brightly coloured leather shoes. And, you know, and most people are wearing quite eye-catching clothing, which obviously is a juxtaposition to the very drab military uniforms, and also the very dark uniforms of the Gestapo and, and the military. So, you know, it, it's sort of almost joyous, almost fantastical. And to be fair, well, not to be fair, to be honest, the, the whole thing is pretty fantastical. Can I tell you which year this is in? Not really, because it's clearly summer at the beginning, and he's sort of 10 years old, but then, you know, the war ends at the end, and he sort of specifically says, I'm 10 and a half. So, well, I mean, if the war ended basically in May 1945, in, in Europe anyway, that means we're starting in sort of November, December, and that's not what the weather looks like in Germany. Also, and this is something you get a lot of, burning books. Now, I can't remember who said it originally, but uh, the phrase, no good can ever come from burning books, I think is a really good phrase. You see it also in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where for reasons Indiana Jones has to go to Berlin, and you see them all burning books. It's either 1938 or 1939, and at that point he hilariously bumps into Hitler, who signs the book about the Holy Grail. You came back for the book? Why? My father didn't want it incinerated. Played by Mr. Bronson, if you remember Grange Hill from the 1980s. Mr. Bronson played a very tough, uncompromising teacher in Grange Hill. He also played Hitler, and he also played an Imperial officer who's choked to death by Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back. He had quite the career in the 80s of being tough bad guy. Anyway. That's a huge sidestep from Jojo Rabbit. But the point is about the burning of books, both in Jojo Rabbit and in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, is it's shown as either something that's ongoing or is shown as something that's happening quite late in the Nazi regime. And that's not what happened. It was pretty much the first thing he did. Hitler came to power in 1933. It is worth remembering that Hitler didn't carry out a military coup or anything like this. He was voted in. And he was the voice of the people. When, when people have been through such terrible times, you know, in the last 10 years before Hitler had arrived, there had been not one but two financial crises in Germany. And again, I point this out in Silent Crossroads. If they've lost a war, they've had two financial crises wiping out everybody's savings. There'd even been a brief civil war in Germany after World War One. And so when you've been through this huge turmoil for like 10, 15 years, and he keeps saying, I'm the guy who can fix this, Desperate people make desperate decisions, and that's what they did. And yes, I think you can tell that there are some modern analogies to that situation. So with, with that in mind, once he came to power, he basically started dismantling the democratic institutions, and people applauded him for it. Again, I think you can probably find some modern-day analogies to this. It's kind of scary that we, that, you know, Taika Waititi's right, we should never forget and we sort of have forgotten because we've seen similar behavior to this. So the point about this is with the books is he wanted to get rid of controversial literature, literature written by Jews or li literature with an anti-war leaning, pointing out that war is bad. And so these book bur burnings were covering all kinds of writers and authors and topics as well. And they were set up, sometimes they were set up by, you know, local Nazi parties from universities and everybody was encouraged to go to like their local book burning. It was a, a family evening out, a bit like going to a 
bonfire or something like that. It's, it's an image that is accurate about Nazism, but by putting it at the wrong time, it's almost being less insidious than they actually were, because the reality was, you know, as soon as they got power, they started literally rewriting history. That's one thing that, that they get wrong. Another thing is, sort of towards the end, spoiler, by the way, the Germans are going to lose World War II. Um, so Jojo has this adorable friend who's in the trailers, and to be honest, you see almost all of his footage in the trailers. I think the movie could have done a better job of having a little bit more time of the two boys or spending time together. And anyway, he, because Jojo has been, I don't, I don't want to say too much, Jojo can't join the army, but what they show towards the end of World War II, and again, this is accurate, and again, I do my own version of this in Silent Crossroads, they literally get the children of the Hitler Youth to, to sort of become members, basically, of the army. They get the old veterans of World War I, and ironically, they give them the same rifles they had in World War I, so there you go, they're nice to see that 30 years of technology, and the Third Reich has, has got them absolutely back to square one, still fighting the British and Americans and Russians. It's just, it's the same thing, just 30 years later and your knees don't work as well. I mean, it's an absolutely terrible indictment. Most wars finish where the other, the losing side's still standing. Hitler wanted to fight to the last man slash woman. It's absolutely horrific. We had young children manning anti-aircraft guns. You know, some of them were taught how to fire bazookas, uh, Panzerfausts and Panzerschrecks, which you, you see both of in Jojo Rabbit. I mean, there's literally footage towards the end of uh, people on bicycles with two disposable bazookas strapped to the front of a bicycle. Long gone are the panzer divisions and things like that. It's sort of part comical, very depressing, and oh so sad, because you're just not going to beat the literally millions of Allied troops now pouring into your country with bicycles with bazookas strapped to them. It's just just pathetic, quite frankly. So yeah, they do show this in a kind of crazy whirligig moment in uh, Jojo Rabbit, and some of it is played for laughs, some of it is, I don't want to tell you the gags because partly they're bad taste, but partly I don't want to spoil the gags for you. It's sort of horrible, it's surreal, and it did kind of happen like that. However, in, in Jojo Rabbit, they say we're being attacked by the Russians from the east, we're being attacked by the Americans from the west, and the English are to the north. And you actually literally see both Russian and American soldiers in this town in Jojo Rabbit. It's undisclosed the location. I can't think of a place which literally had combat with both Soviet and American troops in Germany. Somebody might turn around and say, I think you'll find there was probably this one place. Okay, fine. But, you know, the... They're exaggerating to prove a point. How, you know, by March 1945, Germany could seriously think they could win the war is beyond all logic and reason, and yet they did fight on. Even after Hitler killed himself, they fought on for a couple of weeks. So Jojo Rabbit absolutely wears its heart on its sleeve. It's got its heart in the right place. But the, some of the critics said, you know, it's in poor taste. And I can understand why people say that, although I think Personally, it isn't in poor taste. I think one of the other things that people say, and I would agree with this, is it's tonally inconsistent. There are some times where there's a really funny joke and you're still laughing at the joke when something very bad, very serious happens and you're still laughing and it's, then you feel awful at that point. There is a very beautiful, sad moment in the movie which brought a tear to my eye and even as I'm sort of remembering it, it makes me oh so sad. So it's definitely, a, well this is the thing, 
you know, with the world being what it is right now, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, everybody should watch this so we never forget. But on the other hand, do you really want to see something about Nazis? Although it has funny Nazis as well as uh, very serious, sort of stressful Nazi Nazis in it. Sam Rockwell's in it as a very weird German officer. He's very snazzy, who who kind of, he does the right things, but he also does the wrong things as well in it. He's an interesting part character. I think one of the problems is, apart from Jojo and the, the Jewish girl, and I'd also say Scarlett Johansson, the mum, really those are the three most fleshed out characters. Everybody else is little more than cameos, and most of them could probably do with another 10 minutes of screen time, particularly Jojo's little sort of male friend who's just adorable. And he, he says at one point, he goes, I don't think that this is a very good time to be a Nazi. It's like, yeah, 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 you're probably onto something there, kiddo. And the, the ending of the movie is far nicer than the ending of the, the book. So I'm not going to go into that and I certainly don't want to sort of spoil, spoil the ending of it. But if you like, it does have an interesting point that there was a whole generation in Germany that was told a lie. And as I said, how can you be angry at children who were brought up, let's say if you are five years old in 1933, by 1945 when the war ends, you're 17. Okay, so you, you're, that is your most impressionable era. And in that entire time, all you have been taught is lies by the government, by sometimes your parents, certainly by your teachers. And so there would have been this incredible period after the war of what does my life mean? How have I got to this stage in my life and have learned nothing or found out that everything I know is a lie? And, and if you like, this is one of the most important things about Germany. If killing people is wrong, I'm sorry, but Hitler is only number three on the list. And two other contemporaries killed more. Joseph Stalin, and then at number one, through his economic policies on top of his regime's tactics, Mao. But the thing is that with both Stalin and Mao, they were on the winning side. And, you know, in China today, Mao has his face on the, on the money. There, is, there are very slight conversations about things like the Great Leap Forwards and the Cultural Revolution, but they are largely swept under. And the true cost of those things to Chinese society and population are very much swept under the carpet. And in Russia today, there's still this kind of, well, you know, Stalin might have been a tough man. He might have put a few too many people in the gulags, but, you know, he beat the Nazis. It's like, well, Russia beat, well, the Soviet Union, to be technical, you know, Russia was only barely 50% of the overall forces. But the Soviet Union basically won the war in spite of Stalin, not because of Stalin, because he purged most of his officer corps just before the war, unhelpfully. The point is that Stalin and Mao are in countries that won, and so they got away with it. Russia doesn't have hard conversations about the endless killing in their countries. Britain right now is having a conversation about the good and bad of the British Empire. And there was a great article, I forget which newspaper it was from, and basically saying, you know, is the British Empire good and bad is a bit like saying, is the Atlantic Ocean good or bad? It was so huge. There are so many numerous examples of both that it's a stupid, facile, derivative question, reductive. And, and that's true. And I think in the sort of the social media world at the moment, everybody wants just good, bad. Are you cancelled or not? And it's like, life 
history, etc., is usually more complex and nuanced than that. Except when it comes to Nazis. We can all agree Nazis should be cancelled. Now, I was actually planning to say a little bit more than that, but I can't think of a better place to stop than Nazis should be cancelled. If you think you might be a Nazi, have a hard look in the mirror and think to yourself, what am I doing? Hands. Are we the baddies? I'll leave it there. There'll be another Condensed Histories coming up soon. Stay safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.